Gloria and Excelsis Deo, whether in Latin, whether in English, whether in Spanish, we still give glory to God in the highest. Oh, but how hard it is to wait, to feel so uncomfortable when we don't fully understand all that is going on. But even in our misunderstandings, even in our confusion sometimes, God still shows up. And so we say, glory and excelsis Deo, glory to God in the highest, glory for hope and love and joy and for peace. We want peace, don't we? We hope for peace, don't we? And yet, isn't it amazing that we have one Sunday in Advent for peace? One Sunday, because every other day in the world, there seems to be no peace. A world that is shattered in broken pieces. Everywhere you seem to look, whether on TV or in your own neighborhoods, you see rumors of war and you see war. You see threats near and far. You see nonviolent protesters struggling for justice who are hurled to the side by tyrants and empires. Fighting, infighting, neighbors against neighbor, mother against father, even our egos against ourselves. We want peace. We hope for peace. And so we wait. We wait and we wait for peace. Will you pray with me? God, this morning we strive to live in the peace that you give. Help us, O oh Lord, in this hour to open our eyes, to open our ears, to hear and see all that you would have for us, and especially to embody your peace. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. starting something for pop hi Aunt Esther. listen i'm in a hurry is there anything i can do for you before i leave just put these under your tree sweetheart oh thanks a lot <laughs> hey here's a present here for you pop you spend money on me it's not the amount of money one spends on a gift fred it's the thought behind it uh, what is it who cares look <laughs> if you leave and i'm going with you honey because your father's getting on my nerves <laughs> i wouldn't get on no part of it you think you smart, Fred Sanford But as my Spanish-speaking friends would say Adios, sucker <laughs> Well, if you remember Sanford and Son from the 70s Or, like me, reruns from the 80s and 90s don't be mad, it's okay, be proud, be proud, it's all right. No shame here, no shame. But you recall very little peace between Fred Sanford and his sister-in-law, Esther. 
Oh, the Bible-carrying Aunt Esther never really approved of Fred as a person, but especially as a husband for her sister Elizabeth. But after Fred's wife passes away, Esther feels the need to be there for her nephew, Fred's son, Lamont. And as much as she despised Fred, Aunt Esther loved her nephew, Lamont. So in almost every episode, you see Fred and Aunt Esther just duking it out with one-liners and personal jabs. Esther always calling Fred a heathen. How many Esthers do you know always calling folks heathens? And then you have Fred always discounting Aunt Esther's beauty. How many people you know who discount your own beauty? And then caught in the middle of it all is Lamont, who is always trying to keep the peace. But unfortunately, he is stuck waiting and waiting and waiting for the strife to cease. And like Lamont, we find ourselves in situations hoping for peace, whether it be with your in-laws or even with your parents. You simply have to say the word family, and that word brings up so many complex feelings for us, does it not? Families can cause so much joy, but also so much pain. I always remember coming home after school and watching those after-school specials. And you see the commercials, you know, conjunction, junction, what's your function? So many times I found myself saying, not function, but conjunction, junction, my family is my dysfunction. <laughs> because of fighting and strife and the drama in our real life, from families to friendships to relationships, there are far too many of us who are hoping and waiting for peace and for God to pick up the broken pieces. The context of our gospel this morning is a Mary who feels broken as a peasant girl. She is among the most powerless people in society. She does not come from money or an elite family. She does not come from the religious background that everyone else thinks she comes from. She isn't considered religious like all the men around her. She's only 12 years old. She's young in a world that values age. She's female in a world ruled by men. She is poor in a stratified economy of haves and have-nots. And she doesn't have a husband yet and no child to validate her own existence. Only 12 years old, and yet she already feels as if her world is falling apart, broken in pieces, waiting for God to show up, wondering when is her life going to turn around She's waiting for something new, something that will bring her some type of peace. And then, as you read in your gospel, by way of an angel, a divine messenger, God makes an appearance on the scene. Greetings, highly favored one. God is with you, the angel says. And Mary, like us, who we sometimes get caught up in our own fear and our own internal anguish, Mary is troubled. She doesn't know how to act. She begins to literally freak out. And the angel quickly comforts her. Do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God. You will soon have a son, a child, who will be called great, child of the Most High God. Oh, it's an answer to Mary's waiting, right? Their answered prayers are beginning to arrive, but Mary's mind has been so foggy for oh so long, so she doesn't understand. How can this be, she asks. Oh, it's a loaded question. How will she become pregnant if she's never been sexually active with anyone? That's part of it. But there's another aspect that all of us always miss. How can this be? How can this be that her future child, the child of an unmarried poor peasant girl, how can it be that her child 
a nobody will be called great, a son of God, with all the shame that will come about, with all the people who are going to gossip and talk behind Mary's back. They will call Jesus all sorts of names. And you're telling me he will be called great, a son of God? You see, in Mary's day, the title son of God was usually reserved for the emperor of Rome. You've heard of Julius Caesar. He was thought to be a deity, and his son Augustus Caesar was called the son of God. You see, emperors and kings, they got to be called children of God, but not the children of 12-year-old, unmarried, marginalized peasant girls. I wanted peace. I wanted God to show up in my life, Mary says, but not like this. How can this be? She demands, and the angel responds, Oh, the Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of God will overshadow you. Mary, Mary, nothing is impossible with God. Somehow, somehow, some way, Mary agrees to go along with God's plan. Let it be done to me as you say. Now, I'll be honest with you, as I was this past week with my uh, Wednesday Night Connections group, I'm not sure I would have agreed to God's plan like Mary did. In fact, I know I would have needed to sleep on it for a night or two, make a list of pros and cons, advantages, some disadvantages, maybe even a cost-benefit analysis. But in any case, I would have said, sorry, God, we got to table this until I can get back to you. Now, see, I say this, but I wonder if Mary had no other choice. You ever been at a point in your life when you felt like it couldn't get any worse? Mary felt her life was already in shambles. She had nothing else to lose. Did she understand it at all? How good was, how was God going to work it all out? She didn't know. But in midst of her confusion, in midst of not understanding it all, in midst of her worry and her internal distress, she somehow finds the courage to let go, to let God work. She responds to God and lets God work with her. And then for the first time in her life, she is empowered to sing of God's greatness. She begins to receive, begins to receive the gift of peace in her life. I remember when one of my best friends told me the story of how he began to receive a little peace in his life. He tells the story of how he knew he was HIV positive for many years before he got tested. His previous lover had died of AIDS, and he, he knew it would have been fairly incredible if he had not been positive himself. But he so dreaded hearing those words. See, back in those days, there was no effective treatments. And so distraught with fear, he waited. He waited, and he waited for seven years before getting tested and receiving medical treatment. The whole time thinking, how can this be? How could this happen to me? But one day he did build up the courage to get tested, to finally face the fear, to hear the news and the words that he was positive. And the strangest thing happened, he said. He actually felt empowered. Michael, he told me, for me, worrying about testing positive was much worse than testing positive. Now, he didn't mean to diminish the heartache of those early age years. And of course, we want every person who is HIV negative to take special care to remain so. But the point is that once he got past his worries, 
he was then able to begin to receive some form of peace in his life. He was able to take control of his attitude, his medical treatment plan, and build his life up from what he felt like were the shattered pieces of his journey all around him. And he's now been living well with HIV for 20 plus years. God's been with him the whole time, but he wishes God was always there. But my friend wishes that those first seven years could have been without that worry and that fear. A few years ago, Jesus, a father of four kids, was traveling on foot through the Arizona borderland desert all the way from Mexico. He was tired. He was hungry and worried what his life would be like living in the shadows of the United States. He didn't want to have to look for work in the U.S., but back home in Mexico, he was struggling to provide for his family. And without work and without the means to provide for his family, Jesus was faced with a very hard decision. And ultimately, he felt like he had no choice but to try and find some work in the U.S. And so, making the arduous journey through the dry, barren desert, a desert which has taken the lives of far too many of our immigrant brothers and sisters, Jesus was risking his life to bring some sense of peace to his family. You see, sometimes you have to risk what is for the sake of what can be. And after crossing the border and making it almost 60 miles from Tucson, Jesus encountered a nine-year-old boy with blood on his legs. And he soon realized that this boy was in distress and needing help. And Jesus was terrified. You see, that boy was not an immigrant, but a U.S. citizen. If Jesus helps this boy out, then he runs the risk of being caught by the Border Patrol, of being arrested by the authorities for not having papers and permission to be in the U.S., the first thing that must be going through his mind is, how can this be, God? I just want to help my family. What do I do? If I help him, I for sure will be deported and yet again in a position where I cannot provide for my family. And Jesus could have left that boy all alone and continued on his journey to help his family. But instead, he somehow felt that God was at work in the situation and he went along with God, and he chose to tend to the boy. And the boy then took Jesus to something he could never have imagined. You see, earlier that day, the boy was with his widowed mother. They were looking forward to a holiday camping trip. And as they were driving, the boy's mother lost control of their vehicle, and the vehicle ended up falling 300 feet off a canyon road. And as Jesus comes upon the crash site, he checks on the boy's mother, but she was not breathing. And then looking at the boy, seeing his sadness and fear at that young boy, a boy whose world was all of a sudden broken in little pieces, a boy who himself was crying out, how can this be? Jesus gave him his jacket. Jesus held him and comforted him as if he was his own child. He started a bonfire to help them keep warm and he stayed with that young man throughout the night, telling the boy, do not be afraid. Somehow, somehow, God is here with us. And as they slept throughout the night, hunters in the area noticed them and alerted the authorities who came to rescue them in the morning. And as expected, that young boy was reunited with his extended family, and Jesus was placed in a holding cell, soon to be deported back to Mexico. 
Jesus did not understand why he was placed on that path in that Arizona desert. He did not fully understand why he came across that young child that night. But he felt God was at work, and he came to a peace, a peace that defies understanding. He came to a peace that tells you to look out for all those around you, not just your own interests. And if it wasn't for Jesus, that young boy would probably not be alive today. And after the incident, people were so moved by Jesus' heroic acts, two funds were set up. One for that young boy to help with his financial future, and one for Jesus and his family to help with their financial future back in Mexico. With God, nothing is impossible. Thank God that Jesus, even in the midst of his own fear and confusion, like, just like Mary was, just like you were, you who don't speak Spanish, at the gospel reading. Instead, oh yeah, I felt it, you felt it too. But just like Mary, he could have said no to God, but he instead said yes to God in that desert. And in saying yes, he began to receive a gift of peace in his heart that he did not understand, even when his dreams seemed to be breaking into pieces. Oh, was it easy? No. But is it ever easy to confront our fears and our worries? Is it ever easy to be like Mary and say yes to God, even when we do not completely understand what it is we are saying yes to? No, but I dare say that we can be like Mary. Are there any Marys in this room this morning? Are there any Marys in this room this morning? Are you here this morning waiting for God to show up in your life? Are you hanging on by a mere thread whether it's a crisis or some pain, whether it's a diagnosis or all the shame, it may appear that you are running out of time and running out of options. Maybe it's a job headed nowhere or a job that you desperately need somewhere. Maybe it's empty bank accounts or separations or losing loved ones. Maybe it's things that seem to be shattered in your life. Maybe you've come to a point where you need to make hard decisions, even now in this holiday season. Maybe you are toying with buying too costly an extravagant gift, or maybe you're even flirting with jumping off some extreme cliff. But remember, you can have divine peace this morning, even in midst of all the rifts this Advent season. If God can pay a visit, if God can bring internal peace to an unmarried, oppressed, 12-year-old peasant girl, a powerless nobody in a world full of somebodies, this girl who was still confused and did not fully understand it all, then divine peace is possible for people like you, for people like Fred Sanford, for people like Aunt Esther, for people who are shaggy and smelly sheep, for all those around the world, no matter how marginalized or broken we may feel. In your rawest, in your most vulnerable moments, God is present. And if God is present, then no matter the broken pieces around you, the gift of God's peace is always possible for you. Amen? Amen. Say this with me. Today, I say yes to God. Yes, yes, God. I am blessed. Divine peace, Divine peace is possible. Today I will be like Mary. Today I will be like Mary. Amen.